How y'all doing? Man, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. Can we just give him one more shout of praise of what he's already doing? I know you, you see these uh, guest speakers on the screen, they're like, who's this random dude coming in from Indianapolis? I don't know if you're a Ravens fan or a Colts fan. Are you Ravens? We have a connection already because we were the Baltimore Colts. Is that right at one point? So I already feel a connection to you all. But I just want to shout out again what the Lord has been doing in Indianapolis. Uh, I think we have some that are joining online. So can we just give a big welcome to those who are watching from our church? One church family, welcome. My family, my daughter, and my wife will be here for the second service but I just want to brag on what God has been doing in our specific city. We have a launch team of over 80 people, like Drew said, and we could not be more grateful for the way that the Spirit of God has been poured out already. We've been doing launch parties. We've been building our team. One of the biggest praises that I have to share with you is that we partner with the biggest youth sports complex in America. It's called Grand Park. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. People from all around the world drive for youth sports tournaments. We're the official church partner of the basketball facility. So can we just shout out the Lord for that? He's so good. It's called the Pacers Athletic Center where we get to serve families not only in our backyard, but also from around the nation. And we're, we're casting a wide net, amen. We're, we're not just praying for Indianapolis, for Westfield, but we're praying that God would help us reach the loss from all around the country, all around the world, amen. I'm just so thankful to be here with you all. The series that we're starting is called, Did You See It? Everybody say, Did You See It? three different signs that we're going to be working through, the star, the census, and the shepherd. And I, I don't know about you, but I know Christmas can be commercialized, right? And a lot of times, even walking into a movie theater and we, we think of Christmas, we think, hey, let's just get the presents done. Let's make sure our kids get what they want, right? Or we just need to make it by. But I think the Lord wants to do something new this morning. He wants to do something new to refresh our perspective of the Christmas story. And it's an honor that I have the chance to begin this new series. The title of this message this morning is called Lift Up Your Eyes, and I intentionally chose that. I hope that's not cheesy. We're Lift Church, right? But the title is Lift Up Your Eyes. Turn to your neighbor and say, look up. Now turn to the person behind you. Say, look up. Now turn to the person behind you or, or tell it to me. Just say as loud as you can. Say, look up. One of the goals that we have as a part of our church vision, four different things. We want to reach people. We want to connect people to a community, to a life-giving, authentic community. Number three, we want to empower them. And number four, we want to unleash them. What I believe the Spirit of God wants to do this morning is he wants to help some of you who are being held back by something this morning. Something has a chain on you. Something has a hold on you. Something is distracting you. And so the vision of our church that we're birthing is we want to reach people. Yeah, we want to see them come to Jesus, but we also want to unleash them. How many of y'all know that even when you give your life to Jesus, there are some things that you still got to work out in your salvation, right? There's some addictions that you've battled. There's some relationships that might be unhealthy. And so I believe this morning God wants to do one specific thing. He wants to unleash you into the God-given calling that he has on your life. Whether this is your first time here or you've been coming to church your whole life, I just want to say welcome. Welcome to the table because Jesus, no matter your race, ethnicity, gender, wherever you feel like you're at on the spectrum, Jesus welcomes you just as you are this morning. And so whether you're watching online or in the room, I just want to say welcome to the table. We're going to open up the word. So would you just pray with me? Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that your word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. And Lord, right now, we just welcome Holy Spirit. Would you just have your way in this room? Father, I pray you would hide me behind your cross. This isn't about me. This is not about Lift Church. 
We know that we're a part of a greater capital K kingdom of God worshiping around the world today. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters that are being persecuted right now overseas. They can't meet in a movie theater like this or they would be physically persecuted. God, we thank you for the fact that it is a privilege to worship you. And it's an honor that we get to do it freely in this country. But over the next few moments, Father, I pray that no one would leave unchanged. Every single person under the sound of my voice online or in the room, that they would leave transformed by the Spirit of God, whether they are born again for the first time or they're a believer that is set on fire, that you would fan their flame. Whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We give you full authority to go where you want us to go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I want you to imagine something with me. I want to ask you to imagine a scenario in your mind where someone gives you a promise. I don't know about you, whether you're watching online or in the room, you've probably had someone break a promise to you before. And you know how that feels. They gave you their word, right? And you trusted them. I want you to imagine that you're living hundreds and hundreds of years ago and there's a promise that's been given not only to you, but to your parents and their parents and their grandparents. I want you to imagine you're at the table and you're talking about this promise. And you know this promise isn't just something like, hey, you're going to get a new car and you're excited about that. No, this promise is eternal. And it's going to change not only your life, but your kids and their kids. It's a generational promise. But I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe you're there this morning as I was praying. I felt like the Spirit told me there's some people in the room and watching online that feel like God is silent. You've been asking Him for some things. You've been praying, but you just feel like you could hear the drop of a pen. He's so silent. This is where the people in the Old Testament felt. They had a promise that was given and they were asking all the same questions. God, are you really there? I've had people break promises to me. I wanna know that I can really believe this truth. We've been talking about this for hundreds of years. It says between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were 400 years of silence. I mean, could you imagine if God is silent in your life for one day, how, how, how terrible does that feel, right? But imagine the years and years that go by and you're asking, God, can I really trust you? And one day you walk outside of your living room and it's cold outside and you look up and you see this bright burning star in the sky. And you realize that in that moment, you are seeing a fulfillment of things that have been talked about for hundreds and hundreds of years. And you get to fix your gaze upon the fulfillment. Imagine how that would feel. Imagine the emotions. Imagine the tears that would probably be coming down your eyes because you know, man, I've heard my parents talk about this. I've heard my great-grandparents talk about this, and they've already passed. They didn't get to see the promise, but here I am today seeing the fulfillment of the star in the sky. And so this is where we're at, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It's going to be on the screen if you want to follow along. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, God in the flesh, right? We don't believe that there's all these different types of truth. We believe that Jesus is the way. Come on, everybody say the way, the truth, and the life. The only God, the king above all kings, the God in flesh came as a baby in a manger. Come on, he couldn't have come in any different way. He could have come as a bolt of lightning. He could have come on a stage and said, here I am, worship me. But he came in a manger that was dirty, that was stinky, that you would probably never want to set foot in. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. He came during the time of King Herod, and magi from the east, if you don't know what magi are, they're basically the wise men. Everybody say the wise men. 
The wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, and the wise men were, were the ones that got to see the star. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They're looking at Old Testament prophecies. Hundreds of them in every little detail connect in this moment. And then Herod called all the Magi secretly, and he's trying to play with them, right? He's trying to get through them to somehow harm the situation. He's trying to manipulate them. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. You know, let me just pause there. A lot of us think when Jesus was born, it's this cute nativity scene. But right now in 2021, where we're at as a country, all the division that we see politically, racially, do you see that there is all of that right in the moment where Jesus was born? Jesus was born right in the time where Rome was at its peak. And you see this authoritative government. You see all this crazy stuff happening. This is right in that scenario. And in verse 9, it says, after they heard the king, they went on their way, and they were faced with a decision. Come on, what would you do in their shoes? The king told you, go and search for this child, and you know that he's not really for you. He's trying to manipulate you. Maybe that's where you felt with a promise that was broken before. You felt manipulated. They're faced with a decision. Do we trust Herod? Do we trust the star, the, the prophecies that we hear, that the, the Lord has spoken about for so many years? But it says that the, the star, when it rose, it went ahead of them. How many of you know that God has already gone ahead of you? when you're waiting for that promise. And it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And when they bowed down, they worshiped him. I mean, imagine that in this dirty manger, it's God in the flesh. And they bring their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. I mean, think about what gifts you have to offer to the Lord. We were just talking about the legacy offering. There's something powerful when you get on your hands and knees, right? And you say, God, this is yours. There's something humble that happens. Imagine them getting on their knees and saying, this is not mine. This belongs to the king of kings, God in the flesh. And then verse 12, we're going to unpack this later. It says, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Are you all with me this morning? I feel like I could stop preaching right there and we could just have a time of worship and probably see uh, what the Lord wants to do. But I have a little bit more I want to share with you. The first main idea over the next 20 minutes that I just want to share is, number one, this. God's purpose for you, whether you're watching online or in the room, wherever you're coming from, his purpose for you is beyond your wildest imagination. The word says in Ephesians 3, it says, greater than what you could ever think of, dream of, or imagine. Those are the plans that he has for you. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, these are the things God has prepared for those who love him. The Magi were ordinary people, nine to five normal people, but they were used for extraordinary purposes. I don't know where you're coming from this morning, but I know that for me in my life, when I get caught up in the sports and the Netflix and the texting and the Facebook and all of that, and you lay in your bed and you swore, you tried to rest for four hours, right? But you feel like you haven't rested for one second because things are just keeping you occupied, right? Until you feel the presence of God in one moment. Come on, one minute in the presence of God will give you more rest than 10 hours of Netflix. We know that's true. We're in a movie theater. 
You walk out of a movie, you still feel just as anxious or if not more than before you walked into that movie. But when you feel the presence of God, turn the lights on, one second could change your life, one glimpse. The Magi didn't know that their obedience and their step of faith to follow this star was fulfilling hundreds of years of prophecy of the Old Testament. The Magi were present in the most important moment of the world thus far, the birth of God in the flesh. The Magi likely traveled, scholars say, about 500 miles. They're not hopping in their Tesla or their uh, Chevy, right? They're riding a camel for 500 miles following this star, knowing they're risking their life. They, had, they just had an encounter with someone that they know if they don't go his route, their life is on the line. We don't even know what that's like in America. Our brothers and sisters are laying down their lives right now in Afghanistan for the name of Jesus, but we don't even know what that's like. Some scholars even believe this is so cool that the gifts that they brought could have funded some of Jesus's ministry. The gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. So I just want to say this to you this morning. You might not realize how important your role is as a follower of Jesus in this time of history right now. You might not know how important your role is as a leader, as a student, as a mother, as a grandparent. You might not realize you are a part of changing the generational legacy of your family. The addictions that you're battling right now, the drinking addiction that was in your, your grandfather or the pornography addiction that was in your parent. You're already feeling the chains break this morning. You're already seeing the spirit of God illuminate. This is much bigger than you. This is a part of the family of God. Your obedience to Jesus isn't just changing your life. It's changing your kids' life and their kids and their kids and their kids. And the people of the Old Testament, they understood this. They thought in terms of generational legacy. No matter who you are, you are called to a higher purpose. Amen. Many of us stop at this point, right? And we get excited about this. You could post a, a sermon clip of that and people would get excited. Come on, God's purpose for my life is awesome and I'm excited and blah, 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 right? But, but many of us forget the second main point that I wanna offer to you this morning is you must silence distractions to receive discernment of that calling. Many of us stop at the calling. Many of us stop at the moment where we're like, okay, I know I'm called to something bigger. There's a higher power. That's great. I'm just going to keep living my life. And the Lord is saying, no, 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 there's some distractions in your life that we need to deal with. How many of us know, if we're just being honest, whether you're a believer or not, we live in the most Instagram, McDonald's, fast food culture you could ever think of. I was literally walking through the airport on my way here thinking, could we move any faster as a culture? I mean, literally, we have walkways where we're like moving faster as we're walking, right? And it's like, can I even keep up with this? Like, how many of us know maybe the thing that is the distraction for you is you just have no margin in your life. And the margin in your life that the Lord needs you to have for the calling and the destiny on your life is so important. I don't know where you're coming from this morning, but I wanna tell you this, discernment is this, if you're new to church, it is simply this understanding the difference between your voice, God's voice, and Satan's voice. It's the discernment to say when all of this noise is happening, my phone's dinging, my kids are talking, and school is about to happen. It's having the character and the determination to say, I'm going to stop in Jesus' name, and I'm going to pause. And I'm going to go to my word, and I'm going to say, God, whose voice am I hearing right now? And many of us know the calling on our life, but we don't have the discernment to walk into that calling. 
We have the calling. We know we're called to serve these people at the homeless shelter. We know we're called to start a business. We know that we're called to ministry. But we have so much noise in our life, we can't focus for one second. And the Lord's saying, I need silence in your life. I need silence so that you know that if you're picturing, like just close your eyes for a moment, just a crystal lake or ocean city. We were just there last night. I mean, imagine a glass water. You know what that looks like. It's perfect. It's calm. The Spirit of God needs you to know that when a, a stone is tossed in, you hear that, you know that's the Spirit of God talking. Like that kind of discernment, that kind of detailed pinpoint, I know that was the enemy's voice. You can open your eyes. Like I know the difference between when the enemy's condemning me and when the Spirit is convicting me. Like I know when the enemy is telling me I'm weak, I'm this, I'm that. You need to know that discernment helps you come back to ground zero and say, I'm a child of God. Come on, I know my identity is not in what I do, but it's in who I am in Christ. This kind of discernment. And so look at Matthew 2, verse 12. This is where they had the discernment. It says, having been warned in a dream. Let's be honest. If the Lord spoke to some of us in a dream, would we even know it? Do we have the discernment, the intimacy with God to say, I think that was from the Lord. Some of us think God doesn't even speak anymore at all. It's just through the word. It's just through the old written word. But the spirit of God is saying, I'm still speaking today and I'm speaking in creative ways. For those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, the Lord speaks through our prophetic imagination way more than we give him credit for. You're driving down the street and you see a sign that reminded you of a color or a moment or a memory. The spirit of God is a person. He's speaking to you as a person face to face. He's not just telling you, hey, go back to scripture. That's great. You know, the word and the spirit, they go together. They don't contradict each other. They confirm each other. But having been in a warned in a dream, they go on another route. I want to show you a really cool text from 1 Chronicles 14, 14 through 15. It says this. Look at the detailed discernment that David had. It says, David inquired of God. It says, basically, he spent time trying to hear God. And God answered him, do not go directly after them, but circle around them. He's in a battle for his life. Circle around them, attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of the marching of the tops of the poplar trees, then that is your sign to move out to battle. Because that will mean God has gone out in front of you. Everybody say in front of you. Look at that discernment. To say even moment by moment, the spirit of God is leading David. He didn't just give him a, a promise of two years ago. It's moment by moment, day by day, only for those who have ears to hear. Everybody say ears to hear and eyes to see. But the distractions have us captive. I love this phrase. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll just make you busy. Some of you, you're coming this morning, and I felt this in my heart as I was preparing. You are literally just flipping a coin for major life decisions like who you're going to marry, what school you're going to go to. Do I take that job? Do I move my kids this way? There's so much distractions. There's so much noise. There's just so much. Da, 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 da. And you're just, I don't, I have free will. Yeah, you do have free will, but the spirit of God leads us in that free will to know what's best for us, to know what's in step with him. But some of us don't have enough silence to practice discernment. I think the Lord did this when COVID happened, I don't believe God causes evil. I don't believe God is, is the one that's the author of these terrible things. But I do believe that God uses things that the enemy meant for evil to use for good. And I think what COVID did, it was like a window. Everybody say a window. COVID wasn't really showing us 
uh, that this is a new thing, but COVID was more exposing us of where we already were as a country, as a people, as followers. And I think in the moment, in the window where everything was canceled, concerts were canceled, sports were canceled, flights were canceled, and we were all just a mess, right? I think God gave us a window to see how many distractions we had in our life. One by one, they all started to get canceled and we were left with some silence, right? And I think a lot of us moved on from that silence way too fast. For me, you know, traveling here on vacation, or excuse me, uh, to Seattle just the other week, uh, how many of you know when you travel to the airport, you have a vision for what you need to do, right? Anybody with me? If you're traveling with kids, we travel with our eight-month-old. You know, my wife and I, we sat in the living room, and we're like, okay, so when the diaper bag goes in the car seat, and then the car seat goes with the sippy cup, and then when the sippy cup goes in our suitcase, and then we can get on the plane. You know what I'm talking about. If you've ever traveled with kids or you just travel in general. Can I be real for a second? I was listening to a sermon from uh, Pastor Michael Todd out in Transformation Church, and he said something that hit me. He said, some of us have a better vision for our vacation than for our life and our character and our calling. Like if I told you tomorrow you're going on a free trip to Hawaii, what would you start doing? You would start planning. And you would start writing down, from here I'm going to here, and then we're going to book this hotel, and then we're going to go to there. Many of us have a better vision for our vacation than for our calling that God has on our life. And one of the things that he said, I'm just going to steal from him, he said, it's not a vision until you write it down. And so some of you need to leave this place this morning. If you're watching online, you need to write down everything you hear God saying. And you need to remember that and hold on to it. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. This is a churchy way of just saying, when you don't see a vision for your life, you just stop caring. You just stop caring. Why can't you give your kids a good attitude anymore? You don't have a vision for how you're gonna father or mother them. Why can't you push past the, the emotional downfall and setting up for dream team, it's because you don't have a vision for your role just yet. Why can't you push past the temptations you're feeling in your marriage? Because when our feelings cave, they will. Come on. We live as a society that's enslaved to our emotions. When we feel good, we serve good. And when we don't feel good, we don't come. The Lord is saying, no, 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 I need you to work past your emotions. I need you to work you past your personality, past the things that you think are going to limit you. And I need you to have principles in your life that you wrote down. No, I'm committed to living a pure life in Jesus' name. I'm committed. I've written it down that I will not look at lustful things or pornography. I will not be addicted to alcohol. I will break this chain in my family. Come on, if you hear me say amen. Come on. Some of you need to write something down and say, I'm not just going to feel it. I am committed to it. And this is a principle for my life. We need to silence distractions before we receive discernment. The last minute idea I want to offer to you all, and we'll be done in just a moment, is number three. We must leave the familiar to see the fullness. Everybody say the fullness. Let you in a little bit on, on our life again. We are planting one church in Westfield, Indiana. I actually grew up in Westfield. So I'm planting a church in my hometown. There's a lot of things that come with that, right? Like the people that know me, from my hometown are like, A, oh, I remember you when you were a baby, you were three days old. And I'm like, I don't ever remember you holding me, kissing me, touching me or anything, right? And then there's other people that are like, I knew you before you were a Christian. And I know the things you were a part of. For me, 
I feel like I'm coming back to a lot of the familiar in my life. But I think the Lord had to get the familiar out of me first before I could go back. Come on, are you with me? The whole phrase of, you know, you can leave Egypt, but Egypt might still be in you. When I left Westfield seven years ago and I graduated high school, there were a lot of things in me that were familiar. They were nostalgic, but they weren't good for my soul. And heading into Christmas time, come on, like if we're being honest, let's just start on a lighthearted note. List off some of your favorite traditions. Just shout them out. What's a Christmas tradition you do? What is that? Feeding? Eating. I'm feeding my baby. So yeah, eating. What else? Okay, pajamas, yeah, you're in your pajamas. I don't know if you say pajamas, pajamas. I say pajamas. All right, come on. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Shout it out. Home Alone. Christmas Story. Elf, anybody? That's a short movie, but that's a good one. It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. See, okay, now what do you feel when you start listing those? Familiarity. Nostalgic. Like I'm around the fire with my family. I'm at the couch that's old and from Goodwill, and we always watch that one movie. It's okay to have some familiar in our life, right? And sometimes it's really good. But can I encourage you this morning? Sometimes it's the familiar that's holding you back. It's the people in your life that you've always been friends with, but they've never been good for you. It's the person that you're dating this morning or watching online, and they're not good for you, but you've been with the relationship. Why? Because it's just what I've always done. It's familiar. And I think Christmas time brings out the familiar, like times 10, right? If you're single this morning, you feel the weight of, man, I wish I had that, or I wish I did this, or man, all my friends have this. Maybe one of the things that is destroying people in the room this morning or watching online is comparison. Christmas time brings out comparison, I think, in a lot of us. Man, I wish I had that spouse or whatever. I wish my family got along the way that they did, or I wish we long for these things. But sometimes we need to leave the familiar to see the fullness and make some sacrifices. I love this phrase, if the enemy can't cancel you, he'll just keep you comfortable. If the enemy can't cancel you, if he can't shut your voice off, if he can't tell you that you're not called, you're not a child of God, if he can't get you to sin, he will do his very best in this season to keep you, everybody say comfortable. I love uh, hip hop, one of my favorite songs and albums that I heard from a guy named Andy Minio. He wrote this whole album called Uncomfortable. And one of the intro songs was this whole track about, man, I didn't know that the things that actually were killing me were the things that were keeping me comfortable. And the enemy is deceptive. Come on, he, he, he's not a dog that does new tricks. He does the same tricks over and over and over. You know, when you go overseas, if you go to a place like Nicaragua and you go to a place like South Africa, or if you've anybody ever been on a mission trip before? You see the spiritual warfare in black and white. You see demons being worshiped. You see a lot of witchcraft, but in America, it's all gray. It's hidden. He's hiding behind movies. He's hiding behind things that got you addicted, things that you keep scrolling time and time. You're like, why do I keep doing this? Because we're not in a battle between flesh and blood. We're a battle, we're at battle for our soul and this morning for our attention. Come on, do we give the Lord our attention? full undivided attention. I'm convicted as I say this for longer than 60 seconds at home. Like not checking your phone, like not, and I know we live in a crazy culture. If you have kids, that there's grace in all of that, but you hear what I'm saying this morning. Matthew 2.12 says this, having been warned in a dream to go on another route. How many of you like taking the same route over and over? Come on, 
you're driving, when I go to my in-laws, I hook up the GPS and I still go the same route every single time. You know what I'm talking about? Why? Because it's comfortable. It's familiar. When I go to this street, I take a left. When I go to this highway, I kind of slide on the ramp and it's just repetition, right? But sometimes the Lord has to change our route to get our attention. He tries to change things up a little bit, to shake it up a little bit. And you might be saying, God, I don't know why everything's different. It's because he's saying, I want your attention to be back on me. I love this, Genesis 12, 1 through 4. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country. Everybody say your country, your people, and your father's household. And long story short about Abraham, this is a moment where he had to do the same thing the Magi, the wise men, did in the Old Testament. He left everything that was familiar. He went to a place he did not know where he was going, it says in Hebrews, but he still obeyed and went and received the inheritance later on the other side of eternity. But here's the truth. God will always call you to give something up before he entrusts you with more. God will always call every single one of us to give something up before he entrusts us with more. I love this phrase, Show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. I think that's true wherever you're coming from this morning. And you know, when you receive a promise of God, one of the biggest things that could hurt you or stunt you is the people that are in your inner circle. I don't know if you have an inner circle. Maybe you do and you don't even realize you established one. What are those people telling you when you hear from the Spirit of God? Are they making you fearful? Are they tempting you to go back to the old you, the old things that you used to do? I don't know where you're coming from, but I do know this. We must resist people-pleasing diligently, vigilantly. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, there's not a lot of people here that are just terrible people at all at Lift Church. Everybody's great, but there's a lot of people that might be struggling with people-pleasing. You're saying yes to yes to yes to yes to yes. And everything revolves around you not even discerning whether that's from the Lord. You're just, I'm a yes man. I'm a yes woman. I go where they tell me I do what I'm supposed to do. And I don't even know if I have any rest, any margin, any intimacy with God. But I am just a slave to what other people think about me and their perception about me. And whether I feel valuable in their eyes. Galatians 1.10 says this. Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings? Am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Here's the last phrase I want to share with you. If you don't prioritize your life, someone else will for you. And a lot of you this morning need to take back your schedule, take back your time and say, no, 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 no. I have traits and I have values and I have determining characteristics in my life and I have principles and scriptures. Nothing goes above this. This will not touch my relationship with God at this point. This will not touch my relationship with my spouse at this point. This will not touch my time with God at this point. We can't just be people that are dictated by the noise, the emotions, fleeting, one here, there. It says in scripture that we're like blown and tossed by the waves and the wind. How will we receive anything that we ask from the Lord if we're just blown and tossed by our feelings and our doubt and our time and all of this? I wanna end with something that I wrote and I wanna just ask you to stand to your feet a lot of times when I'm trying to articulate something, I don't feel like I can understand it until I write it in a poetic spoken word form. And I just wanna share this with you this morning. Would you just do me a favor and would you just open up your hands and, and close your eyes as just a sign to just receive this. And I just wanna bring this full circle with you. And I wanna share this from my heart, whether you're watching online or in the room. We live in a shattered 
No time to slow down, deadlines to meet. No time to look up, headlines to seek, tragedy, selfishness, busyness, restlessness, blue mood from the season, believing is facetious, our faith is in pieces. There's got to be something in this superficial land that lasts. Who could heal the cuts from these shards of glass? Who is wise enough to surpass the one? They call him Prince of Peace, King of Joy. He came to bring a hallelujah of hope in the middle of the noise. And that night, they followed the light that led them to the torch that burned so bright. This baby in a manger would blaze the trail. Prophecies fulfilled in every single detail. Fragile yet faithful. Candles lit. Can you hear the angels? Born in the middle of chaos. He was the only one who was stable. He came to piece his people back together. Though we were once separated, he makes us white as snow. Though the ground is as thin as ice, he never lets go. And on this quiet night, we cannot remain silent. For this Advent could be more than just a number. For this Messiah has come to restore our wonder. Come on, you can open up your eyes. I just want to encourage you this morning, wherever you're coming from, as people are standing around the room, as you're watching online, God has a plan for you. And he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But how many of us know that God works with us? He cooperates with us. He walks with us. He's not just a robot controlling us. He wants a relationship with you. And he knows you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows that you would be here this morning and that you would have to make some decisions. So would you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? If there's anyone in this room that's hearing the voice of the word this morning that you know Jesus died for you, he laid his life on the cross and he rose three days later so that you could be renewed and have relationship with God again. But you know this morning, whether you're watching online or in the room, you know you are not right with God. There's some things in your life that have separated you, that have distracted you and you're one foot in, you're one foot out, or you're maybe both feet out. But it says that his grace is sufficient for us, that he loves us. He laid his life on the line for us. So if there's anyone in the room this morning, anyone online that wants to give their life to this message to say, I want to be all in for God. I want him to have my undivided full attention. It's time to lay down and it's time to surrender everything. All of the things that have been holding me back, all the things I've been holding my family back. If there's anyone in the room this morning that wants to make that decision to give their life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand? You know that's you this morning. You know that you need to go all in for the Lord. Would you just raise a hand if there's anyone online? Let's all say this prayer together with them. Jesus, we ask you for our forgiveness. We thank you that you laid your life down on the line. And we thank you that your blood was shed for me. And you rose three days later. I welcome your spirit into my heart. And I'm committed to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Hey, can we give a shout of praise for what the Lord is doing? Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you that you're alive. You are with us. You are transforming us. Father, we just give you praise.